0: This is the Horse Talk Show Podcast with Louisa Barton.
1: Uh, this this segment coming up, we are going to do our sound advice with Scott. I have Helen Barbazon from Pleasant Acres co-hosting with me this morning, and we now have our farrier in the house, Scott Chandler. And I always need sound advice, and he is definitely the best man for that. Uh, veterinarian C hundreds and thousands of cases of laminitis a year. A very painful disease that affects the horse's feet, especially alarming is that some cases are actually preventable and sometimes we are killing our horses unfortunately with kindness and there are some things we can do to prevent. Obviously you want to work closely with your veterinarian if you don't have one that you're working with right now Peterson and Smith uh, are definitely uh, a company you can reach out to who will be able to support you in this. Very important you get your veterinarian out there quickly as soon as you think you might have a case of laminitis. The next most important thing Uh, or maybe even equally as important as as good vet care is that your farrier and veterinarian can work together to help the horse because it is about their feet. And um, we're gonna talk to Scott Chandler about some of the cases that he has seen and ways that uh, you can prevent and treat uh, for the best results and the best prognosis. Good morning, Scott. Good morning lovely to have you
0: back on the show. Uh, it's nice to be able to park my feet in town for a day or two.
1: <laughs> He's in a very busy chap lately. Been um, on the road and on the run, so we haven't had a chance to talk to him. Talk to us a little bit about laminitis.
0: Laminitis is the most deadly disease for a horse. It's, I believe, more deadlier than colic. That these horses are, despite their strength and ability, endurance of an athlete that when the hoof capsule fails there that's life-threatening and it takes a team effort and the team effort begins with the veterinarian and the farrier but at the same time those two people have to be on the same page and understanding how important the first week or two of laminitis really are. That if they're not under the microscope of these horses, despite what a lot of research for some clinics and things say, that a veneogram, which is when they inject a the dye into the hoof capsule, it allows you to know how much blood supply is there and if that blood supply has been compromised to the point to where it shows you how aggressive you have to be to get in front of it. And it is an expensive procedure to get these horses on track, but it takes a veterinarian and a farrier that have worked as a team and understand how critical these horses have to be to get them comfortable and to try to get them put back in a direction where they can be used again as a broodmare or even go back to performing. There are horses back there, out there and competing at lower levels and they're not competing at the level that they used to, but they're back in service. And if you don't have the people that have the correct information, it takes more than just a radiograph to say, oh, the horse is laminitic. There's, the mechanical apparatus of the hoof capsule has to be measured down into millimeters. And if the veterinarian that you're working with is not accustomed to the, how do I wanna say the priorities that are really needed to achieve the outcome that the owners and trainers are looking for, then there's been cases that I walk away from because the veterinarians and I are on two different pages. I've continued my education and I just got back from Kentucky taking another advanced podiatry course. And I took one of the first ones back in, I think it was 02 or 03. At Dr. Rick Redden's Podiatry Center, and the information that I walked away from there with was changed my whole perspective of sharing because I now look at a foot three-dimensionally, not just two-dimensionally. Mm-hmm. And we, the inside of that hoof capsule, is so complicated that every millimeter of sole depth and uh, dorsal wall, we call it HL zone, all these things have to be measured, and they're measured in millimeters, the Palmer angles are measured, Um, we see cases that are acute, and we see cases that are chronic, and the acute cases, if you have the right team, and I've got to the point where I'm not involving myself anymore with veterinarians that have not taken the his is like his that podiatry course because without the proper detail and doing the limb uh, perfusion they call it, but it's not. Uh, there's a difference between the limb perfusion and doing the uh, injection of the the hoof capsule itself because when that tourniquet is put on on the ankle of that horse, it has to be put on so tight that there can be no leakage pass that tourniquet, because if you if there's leakage, you're getting false information. And I've gone back through some of my cases that I've worked with other vets, and they've done limb perfusions where we've had a lot of leakage. Well, if we didn't have that leakage, that might have been a little more information to determine whether or not we win or lose that case. And it, I've gotten to the point where if they've not been through his product course, I'm not involved if they're not going to play ball to the level that I want to play at then I'm out. And I hate that for my customers. I hate it for the horse and people But you want results. Yeah, we're brought in to to save this horse's life. And if you don't, I tell people, if you're in the hospital and you're having a heart attack, do you want the best cardiologist that there is or do you want an orthopedic or general practitioner doing heart surgery on you? That's the way it is with a hoof capsule. And the, the detail, the information, the knowledge that, that has been shared at, at this last podiatry course, I remember the first one. We were mostly all farriers looking for information, and I think there were two vets. This year, I think there were 25 or 30 people in the class. You could divide it down the middle. We had veterinarians there and farriers from ah, really? Germany, Sweden, New Zealand. They came from all over the world. And they came as a team so that when they go back home, they can actually work as a team to, to save these horses.
1: Now, can you explain to our listeners what happens when a horse founders uh, or gets laminitis? We don't have a leg, we you know, need a leg.
0: Uh, what happens is. <laughs> we need a
1: horse leg. <laughs> um,
0: inside the hoof cap, so they're. The lamina and I tell people when you look at what holds it together just imagine velcro How strong it really is and that's kind of when you dissect the hoof capsule you can see The epiphilias how they're in a lot, but inside that there's all there's hundreds of thousands of little Philiacs that hang off in that that help hold all of that together and when that fails if anybody's ever hit their thumb with a hammer Ow. and missed the nail and how your thumbnail will blister and fall off, well that's how it is for a horse. And when that when that fails, what that allows is the separation of the of that. And when that happens then the coffin bone has nothing to stabilize it, to hold it in place. And that's where when they do the venogram, you know how much blood supply is getting because the coffin bone is so sharp that you can—it actually cuts off the blood supply to the circumflex arteries that are wrapped around the coffin bone. So that in itself is just painful enough, and then it's a matter of trying to sustain enough load-bearing surface with the Palmer angle to hold those horses where they're at. It's like with Doc's uh, ultimate uh, wedges. People go, oh, they're good for 30 days and then you take them off. No, they're, they're put on there and they have to be put on at a certain angle. Whatever that horse's palmer angle is to the ground surface, we try to hold that to the x-ray block and through the ultimate wedge so that it relieves enough tendon pull to save these horses. It's It's very complex, it's very time consuming. Um, But in the acute stage, everyone working together as a team, you're, you're much greater at turning these horses around and the cost effect is much more minimal. But when we see the acute stages that stuff's been going on for a year, year and a half, some of those horses might have missed their window of opportunity, but there are stages that and steps that can be done where they do what's called a deep flexor tenotomy. They cut the deep flexor tendon and it stops all that mechanical pull long enough for those horses to lay down a lot of sole depth and foot growth and it's just timing is everything and that's why I tell people it's great that you have your general equine practitioner come in, do their protocol but you need more than the information of just a radiograph, and these horses change rapidly. So you gotta have people that are willing to drop everything and run, because it's it's a life-threatening disease, and I've had to, in the past probably 60 days, had to have dropped my whole schedule for a couple of days' work, where we've had to go and work on some uh, chronic cases and we're turning these horses around but it takes a whole lot longer than if we could have seen them in the first 30 days say or 2 weeks but Do those, you
1: find a lot of cases where people don't catch it right away?
0: Yeah, oh yeah There's cases that horses uh, might come in you know he's a little foot sore they put them in the stall, they give them a butte for 3 or 4 days, oh he's doing a little better so they throw them out Right, And at that point is the most dangerous thing in time to do anything because these horses are so fragile that right now, I find a lot of horses here in Florida, due to the wet season we've had, they're not carrying as much sole depth in the bottom of their foot as they would carry during the wintertime. That's true. And
1: And they're also on a lot more grass for the most mm -hmm. part as well right now.
0: And, you know, they're... You can lose one fast today. And that's why uh, I'm pretty dedicated and passionate about what I do. And people always say to me, go, why, why do you work seven days a week? Well, I have cases that pop up that I have to run to. And one, I'm a horseman. Right. Emergency I understand. is
1: emergency, right? Right,
0: yeah. So, and I tell all my customers, they get a little upset and I go, if it were your horse, where would you want me to be yeah you know we have to we have to drop we have to run it's it, it's not something that we can take Oh, I'll I'll get there next week probably be Wednesday I'll Thursday. put you on my
1: schedule for next week won't yeah. work right
0: right yeah
1: things to look for really um if you had a if you've had a colic of course that's a you know that can be a end it, result stress, of a colic stress you know stress
0: is, is something that and I tell people We look at each other and we can say, oh, you look a little stressed today. (laughs) Horses, for a lot of people, some people don't notice it, but horses stress totally different than humans. Sometimes they don't even show you that they're stressed, you know, and you bring them in, they're a little foot sore, or you bring one out of the stall, they're sore, all of a sudden they're having a hard time turning, they're starting to rot back on their hindquarters, big red light, time to call. Heat in the feet and it's time to call that vet and podiatrist or farrier, people that have the protocol that it takes to try to save these horses. And a lot of people go, well, stand them in ice. I can't remember the temperature that they said at the symposium, but it takes a lot of cold to penetrate that hoof capsule. So it, if it makes you feel good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If it makes you feel better. (laughs) You know, that you feel
0: like you're doing something. And and I find that's that's the biggest thing because we as humans, if somebody goes to the hospital, the doctors and nurses are running around, they're doing things. When these horses have laminitis, everybody wants to fix it like that. And it doesn't work that way. It didn't happen overnight. There were signs coming. And there are cases where mares will get laminitis through foaling uh when I when I used to shoe at the Paint World all the time I would see horses come in off the trailer and be really really foot sore and when I was there would pack their feet and I'd put them in ultimate wedges for a couple of days to get them settled down and they would be able to able to show I always felt like I really wish you wouldn't show your horse, but they've just traveled, you know, mm-hmm. almost 2,000 miles to get there. And just the heat from the interstate in the summertime, coming up through the bottom of the aluminum floor enough. trailers, yeah, I mean, it, you could cook an egg in the floor of them trailers mm-hmm. sometimes That's in the summer. True.
1: You're right. And
0: people, because we sit in the cab of the truck and the AC's on, mm-hmm. and we're going down the road, and they think the horses are cool.
1: I yeah. never, and they're not <laughs> no i
0: never traveled to the big shows with any of mine during the day they all got traveled at night just due to less stress and mm-hmm. it's much cooler
1: so really it's is catching it very quickly as soon as possible yeah. getting your veterinarian yeah. out there making sure your and veterinarian is up to speed on all the uh the latest um laminitis uh, uh, really procedures, procedures and training because that is important and then making sure that your vet and farrier are on the same team, work together, and have the same goals and, yeah, and aspirations I mean, to get I mean, them. Uh,
0: I've worked with some vets here in town, and we've had some positive direction, and uh, they might say, I want you to change these shoes. And I'm like, well, they're really comfortable right now. Why do we want to fix what's not broken? Well, I have better luck with this. And I'd be like, well, I'm under the veterinarian's wing, so I'll, I'll go with their protocol and things will go backwards. And my new policy is if we're not on the same team, I don't play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I
0: hate that for the horse, but I have resources where I can get a team player and we're on the same team and working towards the same goals. And that's what it's about for these horses. It's like I tell people, if when people get cancer or have heart problems, they want a team that's going to work for their benefit. I have a team that works with me, and we work for the horse and the owner's benefit.
1: Absolutely. Scott Chandler, I want to thank you very much. Sound advice with Scott. Um, Very good advice for a a very, very serious disease, as you said, probably the most deadly for horses, laminitis, and uh, sometimes, unfortunately, we see horses do not come out of it. Um, and, do, and are not uh, able to be corrected to, to the they've gone beyond the point of, of repair. So it is really important that you get the vet out really fast and that your vet and farrier work together. And it is possible it can reoccur, um, it, you know, after an initial
0: uh, uh, they're, they're always at risk after, after, right after that. that yeah. yeah,
1: so it's very, very important that even after treatment, even if you end up with a good outcome, that you monitor it very closely after that. And a lot of horses that um, are older or overweight or have Cushing's, Um, Can be uh, predisposed to it as well. So it's something to just be very very aware of and and if you see any of the symptoms It's really important time is everything. So thank you to Scott Chandler this morning for being with us sound advice with Scott Hopefully we get you back in a couple of weeks if you're not too terribly busy Uh, There's nothing he's he's popular. (laughs) That's all I can say. He's very popular guys this is louisa barton i really hope you've enjoyed this edition of the horse talk show podcast connect with us on facebook twitter and youtube and let me know what you thought now please go out there and share the podcast